Brings it blood destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. We're back like that dog shit you can't scrape off your boot. The anarchist world this week is back. Yes, and hopefully not too much coughing and spluttering today. Thank you all those people who rang, emailed, saw me personally, wondered whether I was alive or not. Well, the bad news is I'm still here. Okay, so thank you very much and hopefully we'll be able to get through this hour of art. Too much coughing, obviously. It's a... Winter Dilemma, which a lot of people face, and obviously a lot of people don't survive uh, of pneumonia and all those things that are happening in the world today. All right, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, anarchist society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures, which are based on equal decision-making power, that's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common. And why those two concepts of equal power and equal wealth? It's very simple. An anarchist society is a society without rulers. That's right. R-U-L-E-R-S. And I'm talking about the rulers you use to draw a straight line. Well, you used to use if you're my age. It's all done on computers these days, isn't it? So it's without rulers. Not without rules. And how did you create a society without rulers? You do two things. You devolve power. And that's a fancy word for saying you uh, share power and you share wealth. It's inequalities in power and wealth which allow rulers to create and take over institutional structures which are there to fairly to protect our interests, to basically fill their pockets. Very simple concept. So as anarchists, we are involved in many, many struggles. We don't sit at home waiting for the revolution to come, waiting for the right moment to arrive doesn't work like that, okay? It doesn't work like that. It's about getting involved in struggles, trying to devolve power and share wealth. And I can assure you there are many, 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 many of those struggles in the world today. Okay, let's start off with my good friend, the Federal Treasurer, Mr. Morrison. Now, among his mates, Mr. Morrison, the Federal Treasurer, is known as Rip Van Winkle. Remember the story about Rip Van Winkle? He fell asleep for 25 years and then woke up and everything had changed. Well, that's Mr. Morrison for you. And we saw the Rip Van Winkle, Mr. Morrison, a few days ago when he claimed that there'd be no increase in inequality in Australian society. Now, the good news about fake news is the more often you say it, the more likely people are to believe it. 
But Rip Van Winkle Morrison needs to understand that on every available social indicator since the beginning of the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution which began 40 years ago, that on every available indicator the gap between the rich and the poor, the haves and the have-nots, those who will do well, who are able to use the institu- able to use the institutional structures and laws to, uh, you know, make their lives wonderful, and those who really have to rely on the crumbs being brushed off the corporate table, is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The word isn't bigger; it should be wider and wider and wider. Okay, so it's good to see. Good to see that Rip Van Winkle Morrison is up to his usual intellectual standards. With a treasurer like him, we can't go. We can't. You can't. Things can't go too far wrong, can they? All right. As I said before, we've got a lot of bits and pieces today, and uh, you need to listen carefully because there's lots of things happening. Lots of things happening. Those of you who are in Melbourne, who think. Uh, you know, uh, it's Wednesday, Wednesday night, bored, listless. Come along, come and join me. That's right, every Wednesday night from about 6pm to about 9pm. If nobody turns up, well, obviously I'll leave a bit earlier. 6pm to 9pm and people have been turning up. Come along, have a uh, bit of a uh, evening meal with me. Obviously you pay your own way. I don't have the money to pay for you, but... Have an evening meal with me at uh, a restaurant across the road from uh, the studios here at 3CR in Melbourne. That's at 20 Smith Street, Collingwood. That's the Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant. Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant. You just cross the road, walk a few paces, and there it is. Come in. I usually get there around 6 o'clock. Come in, have an eat meal. Discuss the week's politics, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of uh, get-together. Drag yourself away from your Tinder. Grab, drag yourself away from the uh, World Wide Web. Drag yourself away from the Instagram. Meet some real people. Make some new contacts. Get involved in um, different activities which are ha- happening. And uh, you could do this in your part of the world. No, I won't be able to come there unless you pay the effort. But uh, you could do this in your part of the world. All right? Simple things, simple things. It's simple things which get people together. So every Wednesday night, 6pm, Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood. Join me at 6pm, 6 to about 9, 9.30. Have a meal, have a conversation, meet other interesting people, have a chat, bit of comedy, bit of a laugh. Obviously, we are living in comedy lane, aren't we? With Rip Van Winkle Morrison out there. You don't need to write material. It writes itself when it comes to having a laugh in the land of milk and honey. Okay, let's let's go on. Now, it's always interesting that when politicians talk about referendums, it's always about entrenching their power. And the latest thought bubble that hits the, you know, the alternative media, you know, we're the real media... I mean, the Murdoch media, that's the alternative media, that's the fake news. It's not us. We tell the truth. And we follow We follow George Orwell's motto. And George Orwell said in the 1930s, in a period of universal deceit, 
telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And that's what we're here for. We're here to tell the truth. We're here to kind of throw up fact and opinion and watch the opinion smash on the ground while looking at facts. I mean, because in the 21st century, it's all about opinion, isn't it? Opinion, Instagrams, Twitter, opinion, bang, 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 bang. And then you cohabitate with people with the same opinions. So opinion and fact, two different things. I mean, some people may have an opinion that the world is flat. Well, it's not flat, it's round. Some people may have an opinion, may have an opinion, the stars are fairy dust. Well, it's an opinion, it's not fact. And when it comes into political discourse, we have the same dichotomy, you know? You can have all the opinions in the world. I can believe that if uh, I could worship my big toe, you know, because that God resides in my big toe. But that's an opinion, it's not a fact. I mean, I can dissect my big toe, I'm sure I won't find any God there. So an opinion and facts, and that's the beauty about the 21st century. Every opinion automatically becomes a fact. Lovely, lovely. So where were we? Yes, what were you we talking about? Fixed term referendums. Now, who wants a fixed term? Who wants a referendum on fixed terms? Why do they need four years? Why do they need four years? They don't need four years. They don't need three years. We need a different democratic system. I mean, democracy, if I am correct, and I think I'm correct, is rule of the people. That's the people make the choice. By the people, that's the people. For the people. And we've got a little system where there's no of the people, but it's by the people and it's not for the people. I mean, every three to four years, and they want it three through this referendum, not four, you know, you make your tick your box, put your numbers down, hey, bingo, your representative pops up and, yeah, brothers and sisters, yeah, brothers and sisters. So what? So what? Is that democracy? Where a representative pops up and they do what they like? For example, I'll give you an example. Now, I know it's a little bit like saying God doesn't exist when you tell people that a conscience vote in Parliament is bullshit. I can see you're recalling in horror. I mean, what is a conscience vote? A conscience vote is a vote which is based on an individual representative's personal set of ethical, moral and ideological guidelines. Now, representative democracy isn't about an individual's personal ethical guidelines. Representative democracy is about representing, that's right, the, B, the R word, you know, that word representing the opinions of the people who you are sitting in Parliament for or the representative is sitting in Parliament for. I mean, what happens is, theoretically, a whole set of policies are put forward and people pick between these policies. Well, they may pick an independent, right? Who, again, has policies. So a conscience vote is, is crap. 
It is total crap. It has got nothing to do with representation, and these people are paid as our representatives. I mean, you may have strongly held opinions about a particular subject, but to make legislation for the rest of the state or the rest of the country because of your opinions, your ethical and moral parameters, is ludicrous. And it's somehow it's as if it's, oh, it's wonderful. They're going to have a conscience vote. Well, why don't they have a little plebiscite of the people in their electorate and see what the people in their electorate, how they want them to vote? I mean, that's what supposedly representative democracy is about. As I said before, this will be a little bit of a disjointed program. There's so much garbage out there. You could do a comedy routine. Here's another one. I love this. I love living in the land of milk and honey, the land of Oz, the land down under, because there's no corruption in Australia. You know that, don't you? That's the type of thing those other types do, you know, in those totalitarian countries, in those funny countries in Asia and Africa. But when it comes to Australia, no corruption. And uh, it's fascinating. And what I find fascinating is not the fact there is corruption, but what I find fascinating is that it takes the Four Corners program and the Australian Broadcasting Corporation to over and over and over again to raise potential conflicts of interest. When was the last time, you know, one of Murdoch's many-headed media hydra actually, actually did something for the people of Australia? Never. I mean, they're there to increase the pennies in the Murdoch family's pockets. That's what they're there for. They're apologists, pathetic little apologists. Nothing more pathetic than the editorial staff on The Australian. Murdoch's flagship in Australia. Never made a profit in its 50-year history. Extraordinary, you know, opinions which continue to push the neoliberal, the privatisation, the globalisation, the corporatisation, the deregulation, you know, Barrow. So occasionally we get the poor old government guild at ABC only three, four corners. I don't see it in any other programs in the Government Guild at ABC. You know, puts up a very powerful argument regarding corrupt behaviour in this country. A very powerful argument. Whether it was happening in the youth detention centres in the Northern Territory, whether it's what was happening today in the Murray-Darling system and how the system has been rorted by guess who? The Big corporations involved in the cotton industry. Isn't that wonderful? That's how it's been rorted, with a little bit of assistance. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge from the New South Wales government. Here we have the Murray-Darling complex, right? Murray-Darling complex. Four states. Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia. The most critical waterway in this country in the 21st century, the most critical. And what we found over the decades is that it's, you know, it's been degraded constantly by overuse. And a decision was made a number of years ago, just recently, that the taxpayer, that's right, you and me, Dumbo, you and me, good old Dumbo Joe, good old Dumbo Joanne, you know, the taxpayer, would buy back Water, Because, you see, all water has been privatised in this country. Irrigation water, it's a, it's a private commodity. 
buy back water to ensure that the Murray-Darling River complex would continue to flow. Simple. We would, as taxpayers, put our hands in our pockets, remove money from the health system, remove money from education, remove money from infrastructure, and say, we want some water. We want to save the Murray-Darling complex. We want all the irrigators along the Murray-Darling to get a little bit of water. We want the environment to be rehabilitated. And everybody said, after a long, long struggle, fighting the, you know, the, uh, how shall I put it, the dinosaurs, and my apologies to any dinosaurs out there in the National Party, that this is a good thing to do for the good of the country, all right? And it'll be paid by the taxpayer, not by private irrigators. So what happens? So what does the ABC Four Corners report show? It shows that the big corporations which run a lot of the farming uh, farms along parts of New South Wales are stealing, stealing water which the taxpayer has paid. So it's a little bit like you and me going out and saying, we're going to buy this tank of water for all those poor people who are dying of thirst. And we put the tank of water in the middle of the square and before you know it, the chief gangster comes down, empties the water and then resells it at a profit to all those people who need the water. No wonder there is so much anger downriver and upriver in the Murray-Darling complex because we've been taken for fools. Total fools we've been taken for. Extraordinary. And what does the government say? Oh, well, maybe we need to do an independent investigation. The only good thing about it happening in New South Wales is, as they, you know, they have an anti-corruption system which has got a few teeth. Now, if the same problem had happened in the state I live in, named after Queen of Victoria, that mass murderer, well, nothing would happen. Because we, in Victoria, we have the most crappy, and I hate to equate IBAC with crap, system, anti-corruption system in the world. Well, maybe not in the world. Maybe North Korea would be a bit more crappy, but uh, almost as good as North Korea. Because, think about it. The Now, I'm sure the staff, Victoria and Ibac, the Anti-Corruption Commission, are decent, hard-working people who would love to have a real sword at their disposal. They're sick and tired of fighting corruption with paper swords. Because as far as the legislation is concerned, which regulates what they can and they cannot do, it basically ties them up in knots in terms of investigating corruption in the public sector. They can't investigate corruption in the parliamentary sector. They can't investigate corruption in the private sector. They can't investigate corruption in the public sector unless they've been asked to 
by government to look at a particular issue. So let's hope the New South Wales Anti-Corruption Commission, which has got a little bit more robust history of keeping governments to account, will look at the Murray-Darling complex and hopefully those very people who've profited so much from stealing water they're not entitled to, without paying for it, will get their just desserts. And maybe, just maybe, if we had a bit of courage, we'd see their farms become a nature reserve. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Josh Toscan. I'm hosting today's program. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Now, there's a number of websites you can go to. Look, you can go to my personal Facebook page. No, you will not find out what colour underpants I wear. Okay, I can assure you that. You won't find out what I've been eating. You won't find out how much wind I'm passing. Well, if you listen to the program, maybe you can work that out. But you will see a lot of things that are happening here in Australia today. And you can get involved in lots of these things. For example, on Saturday the 5th of August, which isn't very far away, I'm holding a lecture walk through the old Ballarat Cemetery. Not the new Ballarat Cemetery, you'll get lost. The old Ballarat Cemetery in regional Victoria at the corner of MacArthur Street and Creswick Road, Ballarat. Now, if we meet at 11am, what's wrong with meeting at 11am on a Saturday morning at the Eureka Mass Grave of the men, some of the men who were killed during the Eureka Uprising, who are about 21 of them, who are buried in a mass grave at the old Ballarat Cemetery. Do a little bit of a walk around the cemetery. Um, happy to talk about the various graves of the various uh, people involved in the Eureka Rebellion. Talk about the importance of the Eureka Rebellions to Australians in 2017. And after that, we'll be having a barbecue lunch at 12.30pm at Trades Hall in Ballarat. The second oldest Trades Hall in the world at 26 Camp Street in Ballarat. And you can join us for a barbecue lunch. Make a donation towards the barbecue lunch. You can buy drinks at the Trades Hall Bar. Now, don't bother me by doing any bookings. You don't need a booking. You just turn up at 11am at the Eureka Mass Grave at the Old Ballarat Cemetery on Saturday the 5th of August at the corner of MacArthur Street and Creswick Road in Ballarat. And if you want to make donations to assist me, pay my debt to Community Radio Station 3CR, which is the radio station from which I broadcast on the Community Radio Network, which I broadcast the Anarchist World this week, and also broadcast a number of other programs of Community Radio 3CR on a Wednesday afternoon from 4pm to 5pm, and it's streaming live on 3cr.org.au. I uh, broadcast Radical Australia, which is an interview with an interesting person about their lives, about you know their radical agenda, and also on a Thursday morning between, between 10am and 11am on the same radio station, we have a talkback show, Talkback with Attitude for an Hour, which you can ring me up on. So, I mean, 
to be when you're involved in community radio, there's always costs. As a volunteer, there's always costs involved to keep a radio station on it, especially an independent radio station. Now, for a variety of reasons, I've fallen a little bit behind in my payments, and I'm now singing for my lunch, metaphorically. You wouldn't want to hear me sing, I can assure you. I am metaphorically singing for my lunch. So if you want an interesting Saturday, Saturday the 5th of August, lecture walk, bit of bit of education, bit of a laugh, bit of a lunch, meet like-minded people, 11am, the Eureka Mass Grave, Old Ballarat Cemetery, corner of MacArthur Street and Creswick Road. We'll wander around for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, then down to Trades Hall, 26 Camp Street in Ballarat, for a barbecue lunch, and uh, you can buy drinks from the bar. Okay, thank you for that, and hopefully I'll see at least three people there. Well, I'm sure I'll see more than three people, but it's great. Now, I'd also like to thank the... uh, Frankston Hastings branch of public interest before corporate interest. They held a very successful public meeting on defending and extending public housing at Seaford, which is a a suburb in the deep south of the city of Melbourne. And it was great to see so many people there. I was honoured to be able to be one of the guest speakers. And it's good to see that uh, this issue is gaining a little bit of traction because we do need traction as far as defending and extending public housing. Because this is not just an issue, as people think about people who are homeless, who need housing. It's not just an issue of people who find themselves in difficult situations, emergency situations, who need housing. If you have a strong public housing sector, you can get rid of negative gearing. If you have a strong public housing sector, it forces rents to be decreased because of increasing competition between the private and public sector. If you've got a strong public housing sector, fewer investors would be fighting with first home buyers to purchase entry level homes. So, defending and extending public housing, being involved in the campaign to defend and extend public housing benefits 90% of Australians, well, actually 91%. The only people who would be against such a campaign would be the investment class, that 8 to 9% of Australians who've got enough disposable income to use this country's investment-friendly laws to augment their profits. Simple. So being involved in such a campaign is critical to the issue of housing affordability. It'll make a critical change. Now, the next Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally in Victoria is on Wednesday, the 9th of August, midday, 9th of August, Wednesday, steps of the Victorian Parliament House, turn up, open microphone. We don't, you know, we don't, not relying on, you know, big-name speakers to be there because big-name speakers come and go. We're relying on people involved in the public housing sector. We're relying on people who are interested in the question of housing affordability. We are relying on people who are trying to get in the housing market. So it is a parliamentary sitting day, which makes it an interesting day to have a rally on the steps of Parliament House. So join us. And while we're talking about rallies, on Wednesday... 
the 26th of July at midday. That's the last Wednesday of every month. Public interest before corporate interests holds a rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House to raise the issue of putting the interests of the many, that's the public, the many, before the interests of the few, that's that one percenters. And I'm not talking about outlaw motorbike gangs. I'm talking about that one percent who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, who corrupt the system for their own political benefit. So come to those rallies. There are things happening. There are things happening all the time. All the time there are things happening uh, around the place. Okay? Everywhere things are happening. And uh, you can get involved. Simply. All right, let's move on. All right. Now, I assume you're all worried. You're all worried about those North Korean missiles landing on Darwin and then Sydney and then Melbourne, Adelaide, Fargaminda, Pine Gap. I'm sure you're all worried. And I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, obviously, obviously it's an issue, but I'm thinking... You know, and, and there's this talk about a missile missile defence system. We need a missile defence system to protect ourselves from the North Koreans. And I'm thinking, now, look, I'm pretty simple. I'm, you know, I'm not, no intellect. You know, I'm no philosopher, no intellect. I'm just an activist, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, now, how many nuclear powers are there in the world? And I'm thinking, well, there's Russia, there's China, the United States of America, there's Pakistan. There's Israel, there's India, there's France, and there's England. So that's about ten, all right? There may be a few more, which I know nothing about, but, you know, let's say there's ten nuclear powers in the world. And, they've, and I'm thinking to myself, now, how many of these new pa- nuclear powers have good missile delivery systems? Now, I'm sure if somebody in Russia pressed a button, they could wipe out Sydney, or if somebody in China pressed a button, they could wipe out Melbourne. Now, this has been a reality we've all lived with for the last four or five decades. This threat from North Korea isn't some new threat. You know, this isn't some new threat. We have been living with the threat of nuclear winter for generations. Since the first... Two atomic bombs were unleashed on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and in Hiroshima on the 6th of August. And those of you who know that we're at the end of, coming to the end of the July will realise the 6th of August is just around the corner. So this concept of us being targets of nuclear war is, is nothing new. It is something that we have had to live with for generations, and especially in Australia, because we are part and parcel of the United States defence system. What do you think Pine Gap outside Alice Springs is all about? And obviously, if there is a nuclear war, we are targets. Missile defence system or no missile defence system. So why don't we hear people talking about this Instead of carrying on about this 
so-called existential threat from North Korea to Darwin. Because we're already targets. We've been targets for generations. And if you think nuclear war is not a possibility, think about what's happening in the world today. You've got Donald Groper in the United States of America kind of, you know, cleaning his toenails. That's about it as far as his ability to deliver anything to the American people. Making a laughing stock of America has some type of superpower. So you've got old Trumpy there, sorry, old Groper there, kind of groping around his, his feet, trying to get rid of the tinea between his feet. That's his, uh, you know what the tinea is, don't you? His association with the Russians, he used a shower, didn't use his uh, fongs when he used a shower after his visit to that famous place in uh, Moscow, but that's another story. So you've got old Groper there, you know, kind of lost, lost the plot, completely lost the plot. Doesn't seem to understand that as president, he could make a difference. He could make a difference. So you've got that. You've got these bumbling idiots in the White House, elected by the American people. Let's not forget that. You've got a bumbling idiot in the White House. I mean, America's power is waning. We've actually attached our star, as we've seen, to the uh, American, uh, you know, we're part of the American dream, the 52nd state. We just had those huge uh, military exercises up north. So you've got that. Then you've got rampant nationalism. I mean, 21st century world is not about ideology. It's about crony capitalism. It's about individuals rorting the state apparatus for their own good. And that's why the Groper, Donald Groper, and Vladimir Bear Putin get on so well. I mean, they're both oligarchs. They know the, you know, the, they know how to make a buck. They know how to, how to manipulate the system to suit them. So you've got old Vladimir who's waving the Russian nationalist flag involved in Syria, Ukraine, the list goes on and on. And then you've got China, which has increased its defence budget by five in the last three to four years, which is starting to flex its muscle under the old fossilised Chinese Communist Party, which has forgot what communism is all about, which is understandable. So we are in a position where these emerging powers, and I'll, and I'll, I'll add India to the, uh, you know, to the thing. So you've got India, which has got over a billion people, China, which has got over a billion people, both nuclear powers. You've got the US of A, of over 300 million people, Russia for about 200 million people. You know, these are all nuclear powers. Oh, yeah, and I forgot to add, uh, did I add France to the nuclear list? Because they've got nuclear powers too. So here they are, jostling jostling for their day in the sun. And you may not have realised that over the last five weeks, while everybody has been crapping on about North Korea, that there has been a historic flashpoint between China and India. Both nuclear powers. And you're thinking, what historic? Flashpoint. I've heard nothing about this. What are you talking about, Joe? You're hallucinating again. Well, it's very simple. Now, 
just bear with me. I mean, it is simple, but we've just got to go through step by step. And the reason I'm going to talk about it is because what I'm saying is that we have always been in the firing line if it comes to a nuclear war because of our close alliance and association with the United States of America, the Pine Gap bases and the other secret bases which are on this country. Now, five weeks ago, on the border of India, China and Bhutan, on the Dok Lam Plateau, which is a little plateau up there where these three countries meet, where the border has never really been agreed on, even after the 1962 war between India and China, after Indian, after China invaded Tibet, they thought they'd go a little bit further. There's been a little bit of a dispute where the Chinese forces and Indian forces have basically been looking at each other because it seems the Chinese have moved into an area which is a disputed area, and that's the Dok Lam Plateau. Now, the Dok Lam Plateau is part of Bhutan. Now, Bhutan, which is a little, a little feudal monarchy up there in the mountains, which everybody likes to think of as, you know, as paradise, Shangri-La, and it's not. And we could talk about that another day. Has asked India, which with which it has a defence treaty, to come to its assistance in terms of resisting Chinese incursion into what it regards as its border region. Okay? So here we have two nuclear powers looking at each other, history of war in 1962. So why is the Dok Lam Plateau so important? Well, if you look at the map of India, it's a very interesting little map. You've got the Indian subcontinent, then you've got a strip of land which attaches, which is the corridor to the northeastern Indian states, right? There's India proper, strip of corridor, which is the Dockland Plateau, and then you've got the northeastern Indian states. Now, whoever runs that corridor has the potential to divide India. So you can understand why the Indian government is jumping up and down about what's happening there. So what I'm saying is there are always nuclear flashpoints around the world. Always. Whether it's the continual warfare between Pakistan and India, whether it's the Chinese-Indian conflict on the Doklam Plateau, whether it's President Donald Groper somehow's finger slipping on the button because who knows what reason, what Twitter problem he has. And it's nothing new for Australia to be a nuclear target. This is something that we've had to live with for generations. This is something that we've had to live with since I was born, which was in the early 1950s. So a long, long time. Okay, let's move on. Now, as you know, I'm the uh, Secretary Convener for Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, and we're trying to register public interest before corporate interest as a federal political party. Okay? Simple. Simple idea. Now, I've been flabbergasted. It's a good word, isn't it? Flabbergasted. I should find out it's uh, where it comes from one day. It's a lovely word, flabbergasted. 
by Bill Shorten and the Australian Liberal Party. Oh, sorry, Bill Shorten and the Australian and the Alternative Liberal Party masquerading as their Australian Labor Party now taken up the flag of Sanders and Corbyn. They are the party for the people. They are the party for equality. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, Joe, again, are you simple? Now, look, the great thing about living a long time is you remember. Now, I clearly remember the Hawke-Keating Labor government of 40 years ago was the midwife of neoliberalism, was the midwife of the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, revolution, which Rip Van Winkle Morrison slept through, which has widened the gap between the haves and the have-nots, the exploited and the non-exploited. I don't like the word have and no have-nots, exploited and the exploiters. So here they are now, flying the flag, the alternative Liberal Party, masquerading the Australian Labor Party, flying the flag of equality. Come on. That's our ground. That's the ground of public interest before corporate interests. Has the Greens faced existential crisis, not just based on organisational structures, but the type of party they are, and as the ALP, the Alternative Liberal Party, masquerading the Australian Labor Party, attempts to grab the ideological high ground in its campaign for equality when it was the very same party which opened the floodgates to the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution. It's time that organisations like public interest before corporate interest got the public support they deserved. Because you can't stru- trust the alternative Liberal Party. Why would you bother kind of putting your faith in the Greens considering their current existential and ideological crisis? I'm not talking about their senators having to resign. I'm talking about the internal ruckus within the party itself and the divisions within the party under the leadership of uh, Dr. Richard Di Natale, who I call the midwife of the Pauline Hanson party. And why do I say that? Well, those of you who've listened to the program for some time will remember that it was the Greens under Dr. Di Natale who made a pact with the Liberal National Party to change the voting system to such an extent that it allowed parties which prosper, which grow on inflaming the divisions which occur in this country for their own personal political gain. And if it wasn't for them, the Pauline Hanson party wouldn't have had four senators in the Senate and we wouldn't have seen the Liberal Democrats back in the Senate and we wouldn't have seen Family First. I mean, they are the midwives of the Divided Nation Party. So this is an excellent opportunity for public interest before corporate interests to actually gain our training wheels. 
currently we're just in the in our stroller looking around saying, Oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's no good. Oh, that needs to be changed. Well, we need to get out of that stroller and start flexing our muscles. Not in a physical way, but in an intellectual way. Flex our muscle in terms of our ability to influence people, to change the direction this country has gone in. So I've made a decision over the last few weeks and obviously changed personal circumstances, not having to look after uh, my wife, Ellen Jose, who died um, two months ago, gives me a bit of spare time. And I've made a decision that I think this concept of creating, forming, pushing a social and political movement based on the concept of putting the interests of the many, that's public interests, before the interests of the few, corporate interests, is something that is worthwhile supporting. And I am available to address any meetings anywhere in the state of Victoria that are called by interested people to discuss these issues anywhere. As far as the rest of Australia, if you're listening, if you can pay my airfare there, I can sleep in the back of a car. But if you can pay my airfare there, I'm happy to address any public meetings in terms of trying to create the political, social, cultural momentum to encourage people to become involved in movements and and a political party that is always willing to put the interests of the many, that's the public interest, before the interests of the few. Now, I'm very pleased to say that uh, a number of people in uh, southern Mornington Peninsula, in uh, Melbourne, which includes suburbs, well, includes um, cities, towns like Rosebud and Rye and Dramana, Safety Beach, Sorrento, even Portsea, that they've organised a, a Pipsy picnic, a public interest before corporate interest picnic, on Sunday the 13th of August from 11am to 2pm at Rotary Park, which is at 1449 Point Nepean Road, Rosebud, which is behind the skate park. Bring your own food and drinks, join the people there, get involved in political discussions with like-minded people, and who knows, we may even be able to form a new branch of public interest before corporate interest in that neck of the woods. And that's what we want to do across Australia. We want to form new branches across Australia because we are the people we've been waiting for. We haven't been waiting for the ALP to change its coat, but not its heart, as far as the support for the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution is concerned. We're not going to wait for the Greens to sort out what type of political party they are. We are the people we've been waiting for. Now is the time to move forward as a political, cultural, social organisation. And we need you. It's very simple. We need you. Simple. We need new members. We need more members. We need 550 members on the electoral roll before we can register as a political party. Obviously, if you're not on the electoral roll, we're quite happy to have you on board. 
But if you are on the electoral roll, it does help us get to that 550. So if you are interested in joining public interest before corporate interest, if you're interested in joining a new political dynamic, a new social movement that wants to put the interests of the many before the interests of the few, that has no baggage, no historical baggage behind it, well then, ring up. You can leave leave an address on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489, and we'll send you an application form. Haven't got a phone? You can always download the uh, application form from Pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net, Pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Or you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. As I said before, you do have options. You can do nothing, fair enough. You can keep tinkering in the garage or what's left of your garage, building that whatever you're going to build. You can watch all the Fox News you like. You can watch as much as you can devour and stomach. All right, that's fine. If you vomit, don't blame me. Okay, I didn't say you should, but you can. You can sit at home and groan and moan about how horrible everything is and that, you know, you should do something about that or somebody should do something about that. All right? Or I'm going to do something about that. But then just wait. Because, you see, in Australia, we have a problem. We have two large clans. We have the somebody should do something about that clan and we have I should do something about that clan. All right? But both clans are kind of norms. Remember Norm? used to sit on his couch and then he discovered exercise and off he went. Well... You can become Norman Normets. Join Pipsy today. No joining fee. We just want your heart and soul. That's not much, is it? To give to a political and social movement which wants to make change. And we're not alone. We are part of a worldwide movement to ensure that representatives represent us. Simple. Simple. For example... Why do we find ourselves in such a horrible situation in the land of milk and honey? 25, well, 24.67 million people living on a continent. Well, it's simple. Political representatives' first allegiance is to the political party they belong to. That political party pre-selects them for seats. Their first responsibility is not to the electorate. Instead of Mr Shorten crapping out on about a referendum of four-year terms, why doesn't he crap on if he's you know if they've really if the if the alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the Australian Labor Party has changed its spots? Why aren't they crapping on about a referendum to give Australians the power of recall? If ten percent of an electorate sign a petition, not a virtual petition, a real petition. In a four-week period, they want a fresh election in that electorate because they're unhappy with the way the representative is 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 functioning and then a fresh election has to be called. That makes the representative directly responsible to the electorate before they are responsible to the political party which puts them in power. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. 
on streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This has been a cough-free program. I'm sure you're all pleased about that. Now remember, you can join Pipsy by downloading the application form pipsy.net. I'm available to do public meetings, talk at picnics, anywhere in Victoria. We'll just work out a suitable time. Talk about Pipsy, public interest before corporate interest. Give us a ring, 0439 395 489. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. If you've got nothing to do on Saturday the 5th of August, don't forget, meet at 11am, the Eureka Mass Grave, Old Ballarat Cemetery, corner of MacArthur Street and Criswick Road, Ballarat. Walk around the cemetery, listen uh, to a talk, and, and I'll answer questions about the Eureka Graves, followed by a barbecue lunch at 12.30 at Trades Hall, Ballarat, at 26 Camp Street in Ballarat. Join us for a barbecue lunch. Donations appreciated. And remember, you've been listening to the Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439-395-489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can look at my Facebook page, Toscano, the number for the public. Toscano for the public. You can go to the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest uh, website, Pibsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. And don't forget the Anarchist Book Fair, Saturday the 12th of August, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, Moreland Town Hall in, in, uh, in Melbourne Town. I'll be there from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the Anarchist Media Institute table. So come along, join the festivities. Tons of things are going on. Write to the somebody should do something about that tribe and tell them you've dis, you know you've disowned them. Start doing something for yourself, your children, your grandchildren, the people around you, the community as a whole, the nation, and the world. I know it sounds grandiose, but the struggle to devolve power, share wealth, is the essential, critical element of the anarchist struggle to create a society without rulers. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via those wonderful people, the Community Radio Network. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week, on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction an analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.